Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. Prime Minister and General Va- Vandercom are here to see you, Commander. We're just more welcome. What do you expect? We're on the surface. Yang, let's disembark. Yes, sir. Well, well, Commander. You've only just taken command and already are achieving splendid results. You dispatched those irksome Kislev units in a matter of days. I'm very impressed. I can't believe you were beaten by such a small force. I have only just taken over my post, and already you have embarrassed me. I'm sorry, Commander. They were more persistent than we anticipated. They had a new model of gear that was very mobile. I couldn't get a lock on it with the main gun. Otherwise, there would have been no way we could have been beaten by such. Fool! No one to use that big gun, and on whom? You failed because you tried to solve everything with force. You have muscles instead of brains. Commander! Dismissed. Go polish your beloved 1207 Tomorrow is the 500th anniversary of this country. Please come to the dedication ceremony. There is a customary tournament after the dedication ceremony. About the incidents in that report. What? Oh, you mean the 500-year-old mobile weapon excavated from the ruins? To the help from of the ethos, the repairs are complete. I thought we could announce it on the day of the dedication ceremony. Toys like that should be given to family gone. I'm talking about the fatigue of Jasper. Class is in session, and this week I have the pleasure of welcoming to the university one of my fellow writers from over at RPG site, Quentin O'Connor, to talk about God, Robots, and Martial Arts with Xenogears. And just as a heads up, due to budgetary constraints, the second half of this episode will be filled with nothing but exposition and rambling. Thank you very much. But, Quentin, how's it going? Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to finally be here. Um, Long-time listener, longer-time lover of Xenogears and robots and martial arts and all that other stuff you just mentioned. Yeah, I mean, you can't uh, go yeah. wrong with uh, robots and martial arts. I mean... Mecca, you really uh, it's gorgeous. It's like, it's, it's like bread and butter. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yes, we are here to talk about Xenogears, one of Square Enix's um, PlayStation 1 expertly done uh, masterpiece. I, d- I don't know if I would c- consider Xenogears a cult classic. It's definitely a classic, but I think it's more popular than like cult status. Would you? What do you think? Yeah, it's like somewhere in that nebulous in between, right? Like where you, you start thinking it's not in that realm of, of, you know, hipster glasses. You've probably never even heard of this Square Enix game. It's not there. It's just, it's also not got like Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest or Kingdom Hearts in the name. Yeah. It's in that like in between world. Yeah, where it's like you've got Final Fantasy 7, Final Fantasy 10, Final Fantasy 6, the other ones. Uh, you know, you know, keep going. 
but it's way before you get stuff like, gosh, I don't know, just about everything else. I mean, it's no air guys. Yeah, yeah, air guys guys. is a good one. Yeah, that's that's. I was looking for something that was just like, you get that Guardians of the Galaxy boo reaction. Yeah, but Square games are like always going to be a little bit more shown upon. So thank you, Mm. air guys. No problem. But yes, Xenogears released initially in Japan on February 11th, 1998 and made it its way to uh, the United States and North America on October 20th, 1998. And some other games you might have also been playing that year include some absolute freaking bangers. We had Metal Gear Solid, Resident Mm -hmm. Evil 2, Half-Life, Ocarina of Time, Starcraft, Banjo-Kazooie, Parasite Eve, uh, another square classic. Um, this one probably close. That one probably closer to call it classic. F Zero X, Sonic Adventure, the original Spyro the Dragon, Dragon Warrior Monsters, and Pokemon Yellow, just to name a few. So, did you partake in any of these adventures when you weren't playing Xenogears, Quentin? Yeah, I, I think I played more on that list than not. Um, Actually, it's it's kind of funny. I don't know if this will ring a bell for you, um, but right around September, October ish of nineteen ninety eight, Pizza Hut had this deal going on where they were doing demo discs, at least in the United mm-hmm. States. Where like if you order, you know, whatever pizza, they throw in like a PlayStation demo disc. So obviously, this is specific to PlayStation and not like the Nintendo and, and et cetera stuff that you mentioned. But um, a buddy of mine. His, his dad was, like, really into games, too. And, you know, we were young, so we were like, oh, this is so cool, because he kept getting these demo discs. And some of the stuff that was on there, besides Xenogears, was, like, Metal Gear Solid. Um, I, I think this was a little bit later, obviously, but, like, they did one with Brave Fencer Musashi later. They, they had, Underrated game. Um, I will yes, swear yeah, to it, underrated fucking game, Brave Fencer Musashi. There's a cool fucking classic. Right I there. love that game. I love <laughs> Brave Fencer Musashi, and you all should play it. And that's that's my soapbox. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I played I played most of those, and I, I specifically remember with the Pizza Hut discs, um, Metal Gear Solid. It was like from the start up until like you get to the Darba Chief and everything. I think I think everything was pretty much the way that it it plays out in the game. Um, but with Xenogears, like a lot of RPG demos did back then. Mm-hmm. They boosted your stats like wild. Yeah. So it's like it's like the beginning of the game through. Um, it's like you know an hour in at most, but you've already got like Yamakai. So you you've you already <laughs> got like Kay's ultimate death blow. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of walk around and, and beyond one shot everything. I'll always have that weird memory of that and you know just scarfing down all the pizza while I was at it. Oh yeah! Shout out to demo discs, right? Mm-hmm bygone age i remember magazines like official playstation magazine coming with demo discs and everything and even like demo discs being bundled in with video games like final fantasy no brave fencer musashi bringing it back around yeah. had a demo disc for final fantasy 8 in it um which, which i remember yep. um and actually I remember, have. I remember dragon quest 8 had one for final fantasy 12 mm-hmm. yeah that i yeah. mean really that was the big reason so many people initially bought Final Fantasy or uh, Dragon yep. Quest 8 was to get that demo. Um, and yeah, and that uh, Zone of the Enders had the demo just yeah. for Metal Gear Solid 2. That was a big one. Yep. 
also another game that needs an, like a new entry, Zone of the Enders. Oh, it's love that series. Forever. Yeah. Um, I, uh, you know, it, it reminds me, I think, I, I totally agree with you, man. I, I really miss the demo desk era. I remember, and this is something that's technically almost ancient history now, which is like, oh God, I'm getting old. But like, if I look back, there was like this little moment that I remember thinking, oh, this is kind of like they're doing a demo disc again, sort of. This mm-hmm. is cute. And it's when um, it's when Final Fantasy Type-O came over and they put episode Duskay or yeah. Duskay, whichever one it's pronounced, I can't remember, um, from Final Fantasy 15 on there. And of course, you know, it was just, it was the same idea. It was like, well, this isn't going to sell as well without something of a yeah. real hook. And I remember thinking at the time, it's like, oh man, demo discs are back for like one release. And it's been another one of like eight years since then. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like demos like were a big thing and then disappeared and now they're coming back. I feel like for a good like eight years, it seems like demos were just like, nah, you don't do demos. And now suddenly yeah. it's like PlayStation Plus with their new subscriber service, it'll be like, you have to have a time demo and all this stuff. It's like, that's oh, interesting. It's, it's, it's like cyclical. Yeah. yeah. I, I like it. I, I like, um, on like a smaller scale, obviously, but I like when Nintendo, you know, it's so long as you're already plugged into NSO. I think that's, yeah, I think that's a prerequisite, but like, you know, they'll sometimes have like the free trial weekends for various games and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you know, it's not, there it's it's not what it was but it's still cool like it gives me an opportunity as a consumer to be like do i really want to spend 60 dollars on this let me try it out for a few hours and yeah yeah like you said that was just gone for a while yeah but i've sidetracked us enough with my random ramblings of things i miss from the the good <laughs> old days uh, we are here to talk about Xenogears, so let's talk about some mecha goodness. So, Quentin, when was, like, your first exposure to Xenogears? Like, were you psyched for it before it came out, like, a day one purchaser, or did you kind of fall into it later on? Um, I first heard about it through the same source that I first heard about everything when I was in, like, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, which is, uh, uh, my friend Eddie, he's a, he's a great friend to this day, um, he was like he had the internet and i didn't you know so he had like he seemed like a prophet like a guru to me with like all this stuff he got me into ff7 and then it was like he would tell me these things like it was like whisperings from on high like squaresoft's coming out with this mm-hmm. so he would um you know he mentioned you know gears and then he and then we did the, the pizza hut thing that i mentioned that i came over to his place and so i guess that was i guess that was about a month before it came out in the states um and I, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't think I would have been exposed to it without, you know, him and without all that. But mm-hmm. as soon as we got through the the demo and, and at that time, you know, I'd only played a few JRPGs, uh, including like FF7. But I remember thinking, this is really different and this feels really weird. And I really like that. What happens next? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, being as, being as broke and, and small as I was at the time, um, Eddie got the game, he blitzed through it, and then he, he let me borrow it. Uh, remember the days when you could just do that? That was, that was I great, too. I mean, I guess you still kind of can, but it's like, you know. Um, now so my, yeah, now my biggest issue is actually seeing my friends to hand them my games. <laughs> like, with the pandemic yeah. and everything, and people, like, having kids and work and adult yeah, lives. It's like, what? 
I know. I haven't been in the same room with Eddie since like 2016. Now, mm-hmm. now he can't hand me zero beers anymore. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I guess I was on board uh, from the start with that one. It was um, yeah, it hooked me as a kid for sure. That's cool. What about you? Uh, with me, I didn't get into the, the PlayStation era until fairly late. I had an N64, and I didn't actually have a PlayStation until maybe a year, year and a half before the PlayStation 2 came out. And the only reason I got mm-hmm. it was because one of my neighbors down the road, we were doing a garage sale and was actually selling his PlayStation. So I picked up a, my, a used PlayStation and a copy of Wild Arms. Um, from this kid as, from this garage sale and then I just kind of I, I would rent a couple games like I had tried my friend's copy because he had had Final Fantasy 7 like he had had PlayStation so I got a, I got to watch I should say a lot of those games uh, whenever yeah. I would go over there but I never had them myself so I was kind of playing catch up uh, a lot with the the end of the PlayStation era. So yeah. I snagged, like, your Final Fantasies. I snagged um, Mega Man X games. And eventually mm-hmm. I got around to snagging a Greatest Hits version of Xenogears. Um, I almost want to say I probably snagged it leading like with leading up to the hype with Xenosaga. Um, yeah. Wanting to kind of experience... Xeno Gears before Saga came out. Um, so that was, like, I don't even know what year I would have, it would have been before I, I played Xeno Gears. Uh, I remember renting it vaguely prior, because occasionally we had a video store near us where you could rent um, consoles. And I remember renting Xeno Gears at one point, but that was before I really got into RPGs. Because growing up, I was. I was really bad at reading, like, I, and I mentioned it earlier on previous episodes, but, like, I was a Hooked on Phonics kid, like, I mm-hmm. I was not a big reader, and RPGs are a lot of reading, so I shot and away Xenogears from... Is a lot of reading. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, it is. So, I didn't jump on until later on, and I, and we'll dive definitely deeper into the gameplay, but I love the combat. It was much more action-oriented than I was used to, but it was so much reading. It was like, you would have a few fights, and then I feel like you'd then be treated to a visual novel, like 30, (laughs) 40 minutes of just text and dialogue between characters before you could actually like do stuff again. So it was kind of a turn-off for me, like the first time I really played it. I know that. I remember. I can that. definitely see that. Yeah, and you have like that epic Mitsuda track, like one of the boss things kick up, and you're like, "All right, we're ready to go." And get back to the action, and the track plays through an entire like ten minutes worth of dialogue before the fight starts. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just kind of like, "Oh, oh, we are fighting now." Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I mean, this game initially came out when I was ten, so mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have played it till maybe between 10 and 13 so i was still fairly young and xeno or xeno gears is a very heavy and dense narrative game i think we can agree yeah yeah i was i was about the same age but i mean i i won't kid myself you know i got through it i played through the game like 
three times in the first year he was out, but it was a real, I think probably it wasn't until the tail end of that third run that I was really getting mm-hmm. a lot of the things that were flying over my head because I was, since I was a kid, you know, I, I needed to kind of get reinforced with this stuff um, because yeah, it's, it's very dense. And when you're 10 and you're kind of like, I get what's going on here. I don't really know what's going on with this allegory. That's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there's a giant robot. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was coming at, uh, because I wanted to play a game with giant robots and I got yeah, clones yeah. in God <laughs> and existential crisis. Um, instead, with with yeah. a hint of robot. <laughs> just, just, just a hint of robot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so what really drew you to Xenogears? Like you mentioned, being younger and everything, what kept you engrossed? And especially wanting to play through it those three times, what really grabbed onto you with this game? I think, in a way, it's kind of the same thing that grabbed me with other JRPGs that I got to it um, around mm. the same time. And then there's a little bit more of like a uniqueness to it too. But like the broad scale is simply, um, you know, without diving into, into details too much for, for no particular reason. Um, as a child, I was always very drawn to like sort of found family mm-hmm. narratives because that was something that I was experiencing myself. Um, so a lot of my favorite works uh, whether they were, you know, RPGs or, or TV shows or whatever. Um, and for, you know, for various reasons, a lot of Japanese uh, entertainment does that, you know, where it's like, you know, here are these characters from all these different walks of life and then they, they do their little fellowship of the rain thing. Um, so that was something where, like, you know, you, you jump into, like, the eyes of, like, Faye and he, he's obviously got a, a few things going on in his head. Yes, <laughs> you know? a few. Um, yeah, yeah, and he's kind of shuffled around, and you know, he, like he's he's got he's got Doc, you know, um, mm-hmm. he's got Satan, but like other than that, everyone he's like meeting for the first time, and they become you know like his his family and that sort of thing. So that was like a big thing that was just like you know FF Seven did it too. A lot of a lot of RPGs do it, and then the the thing that pushed me along even further and like had me just kind of like staying up all night all the time until I beat it, I think was the fact that the game isn't afraid to like to get into the nitty gritty of that so to speak um Faye because of those you know lingering little issues that he's got um isn't always the most pleasant to be around but he means well Bart is impulsive and Mm -hmm. may or may not blow other heroes out of the sky at one point in the plot uh but you know he meant well um (laughs) <laughs> but he's but he's a good as long as good, he like, meant well figure. he meant well you know everybody ellie has got probably as many issues <laughs> you know um but she means well everybody means well and so that's kind of what what keeps them together uh even as the world falls apart <laughs> mm-hmm. so all that and giant robots too i think is, is what grabbed me yeah, it was, I remember being blown away by that intro cinematic mm, with mm-hmm. 
the opening of this game like taking place on like a spaceship and all these things are going on and the science fiction technology and then the ship blows up and it's like what is going on here i don't i don't know what's i don't know what's happening and then like being a, a teenage <laughs> dude there's just this this naked chick in the wreckage and it's like whoa <laughs> this is awesome <laughs> at that age i think i'm on the day i was just like well at least she lived <laughs> robots and whatever those things are called <laughs> wow i hate those words later <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah definitely i'll always remember uh the chime there's like a sound effect mm-hmm. that like when the captain of the ship is like like looks at like the locket with like his wife and daughter mm-hmm. and all that the chime uh sound effect that that kicks on when he like opens the case to get to it it's 100 percent pilfered directly from star trek the next generation <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's the it's the noise that that mm-hmm. people make when they're like you know can i come into your quarters basically so you have the card like gob you know so me being like the little 10 year old nerd that i was i was already like 30 seconds of the game like hey a star trek thing (laughs) yeah so so we talk like you're one of the big uh trackies in the rpg site discord and a a number of us you were being Mm -hmm. one of the big ones so when you so were you diehard like science fiction by this point like a sci-fi fan Yeah. yeah i was um I think I was more, you know, on the, on the great continuum of, of sci-fi or fantasy. I think I was more deeply entrenched in sci-fi then than I, I am even today. Like, I love so many more genres now. But, but back then, I was convinced mm-hmm. that uh, if you're set in space, you're good. <laughs> so, Something's going to, yeah. you know, it's going to be good if it's set in space. And then suddenly <laughs> you're not set in space. And then suddenly what? you're not, yeah. That was a great twist. I love it. Yeah, it was... Everything, like, I, I remember... Everything, like, I was excited for in this game before I had played it, like, ended up not being, like, a big thing. Like, yeah, I got giant robots, but it wasn't, like, tons of giant robot action. And it takes a while to, right. like, really get your giant robots off the ground and running how you want and before especially before you get like an entire team of robots and um or gears and you've got play who's like i don't want my giant robot and you as the player are like you want your giant what robot, are you talking so. about yeah like i was big <laughs> I power ranger fan so yeah. the idea of people not wanting giant robots was like incredibly <laughs> foreign to me and even now i don't play. quite get it like well, well, like we said yeah 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 <laughs> It's like I'm convinced the life the the one to one scale Gundam in Japan is actually a fully operational Gundam. They just oh yeah aren't telling people. They haven't used it yet. Yeah, so there's no space the colonies to fight with a giant robot. So I feel like they go when hand in hand. The state of the world as it is, the fact that they've decided that if they don't need it yet, like you know they're waiting for something big. That's true, and honestly, <laughs> with the with how messed up the world is right now i don't trust anyone in the world with a giant robot so it's probably for the best yeah very true but one of the so like what do what's your opinion like what was your 
history to this point with like RPGs. Like I know you had mentioned you had uh, played like Final Fantasy VII and stuff, but were you pretty pretty into RPGs at this point when you played Xenogears, or were you still budding into an RPG flower? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was actually right about to say I think it was blossoming. Um, yeah, it was. It was definitely like the budding phase. Um, Final Fantasy VII. You know, Eddie again, like uh, mm. the guy I grew up with. You know, he. He, he let me borrow it. Uh, classic story. I think I've told on more podcasts than than not, which is really weird when you think about it. But like, uh, he was wearing like a Cloud Strife T-shirt, <laughs> and so I was like, "Hey, who's the cool guy with the big sword?" And then my life transformed, and now I'm here. Um, so yeah, like he had yeah. he had, uh, got me to play through that, and I thought it was you know the best thing ever. No, mm. no asterisks, just full stop. Um, but there hadn't been that much else yet. Cause it was like right after Xenoverse came out is when I was like having my eyes open to the wonderful world of like SNES emulation. Yeah. So I was like doing like my big backlog adventure. I think the only other one I played at that point was Pokemon. Like, I mean, it, it mm-hmm. came out like right around the same time in, in the U S so yeah. Um, Pokemon yellow came out the same year as Xenogears did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. What about you? Well, no. I guess you've already said like it was. It was very much in that like you were doing your big back. You know, your own big backlog of like, oh, I'll grab all these games now. So, I guess I would say it was probably pretty formative to both of us, right? Like as RPG experiences go. Yeah, like Xenogears is definitely not one of the. I didn't really appreciate or really get into or understand Xenogears um, until far later on. It, it definitely wouldn't classify as one of my formative games, but I have no lie. My first memory I have, or the earliest memory I have that I can date, is being super, super young. I'm one or two, maybe, but trying to play Dragon Warrior on the NES, but having no concept of what letters are at this time, and being oh. having to, like, select door or stairs to go down. Like, I could never leave the yeah the, the room with the king, like, right at the beginning. But I, I remember that. But then <laughs> I remember going to my neighbor's house and watching him play Final Fantasy VI, like that, or Final Fantasy III on Super Nintendo, that... Yeah. That opening shot, uh, shot into Narsh. I remember going over and watching him play Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy VIII. So watching in those rare points where I could rent a PlayStation, I, I would always gravitate towards those games. And it wasn't until later, probably hearing from my friend about Xenogears, that I was like, okay, I'll try it. And, it, and I bounced off it then. And it wouldn't be yeah. for years later, like I said, leading up to probably Xenosaga that I that I dove back in and, and gave it a, a, a shake. But but yeah, it's it's so interesting to see like you can it's very apparent or it's much more apparent the link between Xenogears and Xenosaga. But like Xeno is such a more common name and bigger franchise now with Xenoblade, which yeah. has like nothing to do with Xenogears anymore. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's interesting how they've 
how it's evolved. Oh, it's so, it's so, well, first of all, before I forget, I just, I'm going to make a comment. <laughs> when you were talking about um, uh, your, your foray, your, your brief flirtation with Dragon Warrior when you mm-hmm. were a toddler, um, I was, I was laughing because I was picturing it all playing out like, you know, and like full-fledged anime and the king's just like only you can blah 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 and then you're just like walking around and the hero's just like staring at the door uh the king's <laughs> just kind of like maybe i was wrong but anyway um <laughs> yeah like with xenoblade it, it's I, I i remember you know as as like one of your your token like xenosaga diehards during the, the xenosaga era and i, I think we can kind of safely call it that because i mean they even tried to do you know, one of the one of the producers was was gung ho about like remastering it. You know, a few years mm-hmm. back, and, and didn't get the, the go ahead for it. So it's like it's truly like this relic now. Um, but I think, you know, as I was I was like really into it, and I when we first heard like Monado, beginning of the world, Takahashi, Monolith Soft, and all that. Um, mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, like I'm replaying Xenoblade right now, but Definitive Edition, like literally well not literally right the second but you know like literally yeah. like right now it's one of the games i'm playing and i adore it i love it on its own merits but when you know when then operation rainfall happened where like the west didn't seem like it was even going to get the game and then um nintendo of europe was like you know we'll do it ourselves and they dubbed it and it was like america still was waiting um so it was like such a all the doldrums uh before yeah. the game finally even came out and was available for like us and i got into it and i i liked it at the time but i i kind of bounced off it for a while myself actually because i was expecting xeno gears saga you know and and mm-hmm. those connections become a little bit more apparent later on but like you said they're still they're like it's like a a, a, a tightrope of 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 themes between Xenogears and uh, Xenoblade, whereas with Xenosaga, you were basically walking across, you know, a thick staircase, and <laughs> you like the themes yeah. were everywhere. The, yeah, um, you had people looking exactly like Faye in Xenosaga. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, and you had like Jin and and Xion, whose last name is Yuzuki, mm-hmm. and you had like. I mean, Every villain character was obviously kind of like a, a reincarnation of sorts of a Xenogears villain character. And it all makes sense, of course, right? Because it was it was all like not the same universe, but also more or less. It was like a prequel, right? Like Xenosaga was supposed yeah. to be like a prequel, like a 500 years in the past or something prequel, I think. Yeah, it was. Um, oh, it's 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 this fascinating rabbit hole you can go down. Uh, piecing it all together, it's it's wild. But basically, um, so Perfect Works was the name of like this all-encompassing idea yeah. that that Tetsu Takahashi and Kato, I'm sure, like you know, had. And Senior Gears, you know, it infamously at the end of the credits says like Senior Gears Episode Five, the end. And everyone's mm-hmm. like, "What are they? What George Lucas? What what's going on here?" Um, so so Perfect Works comes out, and it's this big sprawling compendium of information about all these things that happened in the four previous episodes and you know you don't really find out what's going to happen in the sixth and final one but it's kind of like you know like wink wink it's going to happen eventually and of course none of this ever happened um, yeah also shout out to xeno gears perfect works having two naked ladies on the cover true true <laughs> yeah i think i think by the time uh 
by the time I was familiar with Perfect Works, I was, you know, maybe a couple years later, which again, exact target demo to be yep. like, oh yes, I I I'm, I read it for the articles. Kind of they they so. knew who they were marketing <laughs> towards. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, so Xenosaga was like this this sort of like reimagining of what the first couple of episodes of, of Perfect Works were um, laid out to be. And uh, so it's, it's you know, it's one of those things like RPGfan.com has, has this wonderful article um, off the top of my head. I can't recall who wrote it, but they're, they're great. Whoever you are out there, fantastic work. But it's like, so you want to get into the Xeno series. And it, it goes into like meticulously like going over like, so wait, are Xenogears and Xenosaga in the same universe? You know, mm. so wait, what is Xenoblade? How is that? <laughs> and like, ultimately, I think that's that's kind of like the final word on how, how Xeno is like this meta franchise that's connected is just kind of go, yeah. Yes, asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it, it's a wild game, and I would love to see... I would uh, like. I pray that we get like a high res or the Xenosaga games are added to the future PlayStation Plus whatever tiers. But yeah. Xenogears deserves a remake. Yes, and so they can make the game they wanted to make in the in the beginning. And it's it's. Both Xenosaga and Xenogears in, in different ways too, even. Yeah. Are like are are you know, fit the bill of what you said, but they also have like rather unique red tape kinda like stopping it from happening in, in weird ways that you don't encounter uh with other series. Because like with Xenogears, you know, there's the fact that Takahashi and uh some of the other key personnel um you know, all left and, and, and did Monolith Soft, mm-hmm. but Square Soft or Square Enix presumably still has the rights to all the Xenogear specific elements. Um, so that's like murky, you know, but like could they get Takahashi to come back and, and do the thing? I don't know. You know, that would be awesome. And then with Xenosaga, it's like, um, uh, well, again, I guess, you know, because Namco has the rights to Xenosaga now. Um, and you know, like I like we mentioned a moment ago, there was like some some movement on it, and then mm-hmm. it stalled, and it died. And the producer, bless him, for actually coming out and saying, "Yeah, sorry, I went to that. Maybe someday." Um, they both, I mean, they, they Xeno Saga fans, you know, uh, you know, there are dozens of us. Um, <laughs> like <laughs> we we stand so hard by the fact that like if if the series had continued, like episode three, the last one, the you know inadvertent last one mm-hmm. they did such a good job pulling everything together knowing that it was going to be probably the end that like the future would have been awesome like the, the groundwork was laid for for such cool cool stuff and then you know what's you know here is it's just the game is infamously unfinished it's okay. just it, it has a beginning a middle a middle a middle a middle <laughs> an end but like even then, it's missing, like, three middles. Yeah. Well, kind of, I think, now, that's a that's a really good segue into one of the, the unfortunately defining aspects of Xenogears is the second disc. 
and how it's basically walls of text just being flung at the player. Yeah. Um, and, and I can't remember exactly. And it's pretty much just Faye sitting in a chair in a dark, dark environment, right? Yeah. Um, you get that a lot with Faye. You get that with Ellie a couple of times. Um, I think you get it with Satan like once or twice, but, but Faye is like the iconic imagery of, of disc two, right? Cause he's the one that does it the most. He's, he's sitting in that chair and there's like, I mean, <laughs> thinking back on it as a 30 something, it's, it's like comically, um, in your face, mm-hmm. how, how rushed it was. Cause they, they literally have like a, a spotlight, like a lamp <laughs> over Faye's head in <laughs> like this unfinished, like starry galactic backdrop. Um, and it's yeah, it's it's a lot of Faye and then occasionally other characters just um, droning on about like this happened and then this happened and this happened and they'll have like sort of like usually finished, sometimes not even totally finished, like almost like concept art things that were happening. You do get several dungeons, and I think it's easy to kind of forget that. Like it does break manage to break itself up and turns like maybe half the things that clearly should have been gameplay into gameplay. Mm-hmm. But then the other half, it just feels really weird going from like this fully fleshed out first, like huge sprawling first disc of like a, a square soft PS1 era JRPG. And then just being told about half the places they go after that. And then it's like, um, you know, like you, you don't want to get into like huge spoilers here per se, but like really, really, really big things are happening. <laughs> like, I mean, you, we can get is, into spoilers. That's yeah. fine. Oh, okay. So, okay, yeah. So it's like, there's, imagine not being told, but experiencing through an actual gameplay sequence, the realization that the majority of humankind, quote unquote, is being transformed into these weird monstrosity to rebuild this, like, mechanical deity. You know, like, you have the characters telling you that, and it's like, wow, that sounds like something I'd really love to see. (laughs) No budget, only tell. Right. And you do get it. You get it a little bit. You get, you Mm -hmm. know, and and credit where it's due, they they did manage, well, credit where it's due that they got the the project out the door. But, like, you know, still, they, like, they do get some, like, nice cutscenes toward the end, and, um, you know, it it opens back up a little bit, and you can fly around again. But, yeah, it's, it's really weird the way that it's, like, you have gameplay sequences in the first disc that are just kind of like so laid back that you have the opportunity to go to like Billy, uh, character Billy, like his, his orphanage and like play with chickens and stuff, you know, and like get these like, get these little like, oh, you put all the chickens, you put all the hens back in the, uh, in a mm-hmm. here's your, here's your badge, here's your, <laughs> and then like on the other end of the spectrum, you have the world is basically exploding, I guess. <laughs> um, anyway, sit down for a coffee, we'll, we'll catch you up on it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so interesting looking what they did with this and how Square Enix approaches games now. Like you can have really well received, well reviewed, fleshed out games like a like a Guardians of the Galaxy or the Tomb Raiders, and then deeming it a failure. Um, yeah, or the uh, Babylon's Fall, which might have two play- people playing right now. And <laughs> it's like... And then you'll have this game, which I can't see Square, or really any developer, 
putting a, a game out, like, kind of rushing a game to its finale in such a way that Xenogears did. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I've spoken with folks over the past, I guess, five and a half years now, since, since Final Fantasy fifteen came out, mm-hmm. who have said, like, you know, they'll play through FF15, and they haven't played Xenogears, or, or vice versa. And they'll say to me, because they'll know that I've, you know, like, oh, is it like, you know, insert the other one here? Is it like that? Is it rushed like that? Not really. Um, not really. Like, FF15, you know, certainly when it launched, especially, you know, you could see the rush job in a lot of aspects. And to this day, you know, it's always going to be like that to various extents. But FF15, I think never and, and this isn't like a, a slight against it not every game needs to have these like galactic proportions of yeah plot. but i don't think i don't think it, it necessarily had the scope in mind to be so beautifully imperfectly rushed as as yours <laughs> does because it's like you can get the gist of i think ff15's world characters and plot with like a couple of pages, you know, mm-hmm. and and again, that's 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 fine, you know. With Xenogears, there literally exists this thing we were talking about, perfect works. It's hundreds of pages long, you know. It's like yeah, it's like this Silmarillion, you know. Um, so when you rush a game like FF15, you can get those broad beats out, and for the most part, people will be like, "Well, this was clearly in need of a scene or two, right?" But I, I know, yeah. I got it, you know, and. I, with Xenogears, it's like, well, this was clearly in need of five seasons of Netflix TV. <laughs> but yeah. I get it, I guess. You know, yeah. It's, well, it's such an interesting product. Yeah, that, that's such a great comparison. It's like, whereas Final Fantasy fifteen decided to just omit and not include story B. It's just kind of hint at things maybe of hap- like happening in the background. And yeah. of course... Nowadays, you have DLC. Yep. Xeno Gears just opted to be like, okay, we're just gonna tell you what we were gonna do. <laughs> we're just gonna, <laughs> we're just gonna lord dump you, sprinkle some dungeons and stuff in, but a lot of it's just gonna be told through, told to you through text. It's like that one friend that you have where they sum up a movie. Yeah. Just by telling, it's like the dude from Ant Man. I can't remember the character's name. Where he just like would sum up the Avengers. Zeno right, Gears right. did that. Yeah. Whereas oh, Final Fantasy Fifteen was like, okay, we're just not going to include this. We're going to hint at something that happened, but we're not going to talk about it. Yeah. And it, it that's spot on. And then just like the weirdest thing to me about it again is that everything in the first disc of Zeno Gears is much more show don't tell right i mean mm-hmm. it's it's truly it's the second disc where all of this starts to happen um so you have like you'll have sequences that'll last like a solid 30 40 minutes where it's like you know your your next order of business is to walk through the gates of like you know the the village of nissan and then next thing you know you're going through all these cutscenes that are starting to introduce all these like ancillary characters like the cast of like the elements and, and ellie's like you know gebler unit and all that and they all have their dynamics and and you know and then just two comes and it's the guy from ant-man yeah. and it's like the gebler unit is like a, a favorite example of mine because they do show up 
once. Like these are, um, for, you know, for context for listeners, I guess these are like people who follow uh, the heroine Ellie uh, early on in her adventure. They're you know like um, guest men, you know, but they all have their like quirky little anime archetypes. Um, they they show up once on on this too, but they show up and it's during one of Ellie's like chair things, and it's got like the starry backdrop. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of show up, and it's when she's about to go and, like, you know, kind of, like, sacrifice herself uh, for the for the good of the group. And they're all just like, Miss Elhain, or, you know, don't do it. Miss Van Houten, no, don't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they just, like, I think, I think they literally, like, each fade away. And it's like, you never see or hear from them again. So it's like, so it, it's like, it, it feels like the guy from Ant-Man. Um, yeah. It's just kind of like, and then the Gebler unit showed up, and they were like, don't do it. And she was like, but I'm going to. And then she did. Luis. Luis was the character's name. I actually looked that up. And I would pay fucking good money to have Luis retell Xenogears. Oh my god. That would... (laughs) Hashtag Luis retells Xenogears. Get it trending or something. We need that. We need Luis to recount Xenogears. Please, please go into all the deep, weird political and... uh... And certainly religious and union. Oh, it'd be <laughs> so good. It would be so good. Xeno <laughs> oh. Gears. Great game. Yeah. Interesting game. Definitely not a game for everybody, but it's still a classic. Yes. Agreed. Definitely still a classic for uh for good reason. So was there a particular area of or like zone? or dungeon of Xenogears that really sticks out to you? Like, when when someone mentions, like, when I mentioned, hey, want to talk about Xenogears, what was, like, the first thing that came to mind for you about Xenogears? Like, what do you associate with Xenogears? <laughs> Let me preface by, by reiterating or iterating, if I haven't already said it, that this is one of my favorite games of all time. That said, probably the first area that pops into my brain, and I, I would hazard a guess that this happens with, with more people than just me, would be the Babel Tower Dungeon, in which the game leverages its impressively mediocre jumping, like, platforming mechanics in such a way that you feel like a million bucks when you get through the dungeon, but not necessarily in the way the developers intended, because it's, like, torture from start to finish. Do you know... Do you know the dungeon I'm talking about? Yeah, it's, I think I I think yeah. I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, it's it's got two like leading problems I think, and and, and this kind of gets into the the, the nitty gritty of the fact that Xenogears maybe not the best dungeon design in a JRPG, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So like for the first part, you're climbing this like the ruins of this tower, and the game has set moments in a lot of places where you'll get into a random encounter the first time you like step on that tile basically um so there are multiple times where like whoever implemented that either they weren't paying much attention or they're genuinely a statist either way you know cool whatever um they would they would have it so like a a random battle would kick in mid jump Mm -hmm. and um unless you, like, really got lucky or really knew what you were doing right then, mm-hmm. at the end of that fight, your gears, you know, you, the party, would fall all the way back down to the bottom. <laughs> um, so that was 
an issue. And then the other thing is when you get to like past that first part and you're kind of like in this sort of like garden y ruins area further up on the tower, there are a lot of these like um flat like moving platforms, you know, like mm-hmm. the kind of stuff you see in two D platformers all the time, you know, like little Sonic and Mega Man Gizmos and stuff. And you're jumping on those and again that'll happen, but a lot of the time like it's hard to gauge where something is because of the way that like things are represented. So it's, it's just, it's, it's a nightmare. And, and, and this is why I preface by saying, let me like, yeah. make sure that I'm still <laughs> very, very largely warm on this game, but um, it has, it has wonderful, wonderful settings, including this tower. I mean, the world building, just looking at, at this place, as you realize, like, this is the ship from the beginning of the game. This is, wild and the characters themselves won't mm-hmm. know it yet until later but i know it like those are mind-blowing moments but you really have to, to wade through the mud of, of the game kind of fighting against you <laughs> yeah <laughs> there and in some other spots yeah yeah there's a reason why square isn't known for its platformers and i think xeno cares is yeah. why um <laughs> yeah, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty good reason uh that they're not known for platformers um, yeah yeah it's it's wild. I I would love to see what they could do with like utilizing or maybe adopting the the combat and kind of production quality of Xenoblade nowadays with a, a ground up remake of Xenogears. Oh and like be interesting. I genuinely like call me an optimist maybe, but I genuinely believe that there has been enough staying power uh, within the like JRPG enthusiast community through the decades, mm-hmm. that the game with with decent enough marketing would have a good shot at at like a real success, and not even necessarily just because it's riding in part on on the you know what the yeah. name has become. It's one of those games where it's like you go and you talk to a bunch of like nerdy friends mm-hmm. about JRPGs, and this game will get it, mentioned. It always yeah, it always gets mentioned yeah. up, and it's like. Square, if you can remake Live a Live, you can remake Xeno Gears. Right? Oh man. And imagine it in, in the uh, HD two D engine. Like I think it would work pretty well that way. Um I'd be very, very interested to see how the gears would work out because I think they're kind of iconic in their very polygonal blockiness. But um I'm sure it would be cool. Yeah, yeah or, you know, or, just you can re yeah. I think there's been so many remakes of lesser popular games. Like just devote a couple million to. I mean, they're doing like every saga game. Like even today, they announced Minstrel. a new remaster of, of Minstrel Song for Romance Minstrel Saga. Not even Saga Frontier Two. Like you know, when I was I was joking about yeah. it with uh, with some of the guys at RPG site like in the Discord earlier this morning. Yeah, it's like. I haven't played Minstrel Song, and I look forward to it, and I'm sure it's going to be cool, you know. But, like, I I know Saga Frontier, and I think more people probably, you know, at least in the West, know Saga Frontier, and are probably in Japan, too. So, you're absolutely right. It's like they went for, like, one of their more niche series to begin with, and they're remastering them, and they're making a yeah. new game now in light of, like, Saga Frontier 1's, you know, remastered success. And they went for a Minstrel Song. And you've got people on the internet who were like, I can't with these character models, you know? And it's like, well, this is how it was, you know? 
still yeah. getting used to it, I guess. Um, whereas, heck, I mean, you know, Xenogears, I think the way it looks probably to this day would, would flow better with a lot of people on first blush than like the more stylized mm-hmm. stuff with something like Romance and Saga. So, I mean, heck, do it. And I, I mean, they sell like um, gear, you know, like the gear models. And, like, yeah, the, the gear kits. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely still a product that they make some 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 small amount of money off of um, if and when they, they release it uh, legally. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure it will make more money. Square, you could do that too. <laughs> yeah, and it's like RPGs are far more popular now than they were back then, back when Xenogears came out. Yeah. 100% yeah, believe that. I, mean, I, I This isn't something that, you know, like, don't quote me on this. Um, I will. It's, it's, I'm going to quote you on this. Okay. All right. Call me directly on this, and then, yes. and then I'll be wrong. Can I get your but middle name to be really extra precise that it's you saying this and not someone else? Not another Quentin for sure, O'Connor? For sure. For okay. sure. Um, uh, so I, I think the game sold worldwide, like just shy of a million, sort of like a million or something right around there, which was like, you know, what's what's the Chernobyl meme? Good, bad, not mm-hmm. bad. Now I'm slaughtering it. I love that thing. Uh, you know not great not terrible um but like in today's context that would have to translate to like at least triple that right you know and 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 probably more and i mean xenoblade 2 was like you know as far as jrpgs that don't have like the big ff or kh you know or or pokemon in front of them it was a, a really big success for hollywood soft um team is, is bigger now than ever. It sold a couple million. Um, I mean, Xenogears yeah. still got a Greatest Hits version. Yeah. So it sold at least two hundred a quarter of a million copies in nine months, because that was like the prerequisite to be a, become a, a Greatest Hit. So it and a lot made of, that. Yeah, and a lot of uh, a lot of other JRPGs from that era, because there were so many of them, um, didn't. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I, I can think of a bunch that I played that I don't think got that. Brave Fencer Musashi. Like Brave Fencer Musashi. Yeah, I don't think like Legend of Zendaya did. I don't think Tomb did. Um, I'm not sure if Threads of Fate did. Wild uh, Arms didn't. None of the Wild, Wild Arms, Arms I want to say did. did. Yeah, like I did Sweetening? No. Gosh, that's wild to me. Sweeping it too is certainly a goddamn mystery. It's like a, a Xenogears. Um, yeah. Sweet Coding yeah. 2 didn't? I don't think any of the Sweet Coding games ever got greatest hit status, even on the PS2 ones. Um, so none of the Wild Arms games. Legend of Gaia didn't. Um, yeah. yeah, Brave Fencer didn't. Uh, Dragon Quest wow. didn't. Granted, that was a weird wow. one where Dragon Quest Seven came out like right at the end of the life cycle, and like the PS2 was already oh, out, true. but like that yeah. didn't do it. Um, but Xenogears did. <laughs> Even a lot of the yeah. Xenosaga games did, or at least the first Xenosaga game did. I don't actually know if two or three did. I don't think they did. But yeah, I would imagine. Like I would, I would, I would think it's a safe educated guess to, to think that like each Xeno Saga sold less than the last, like, you know, because I think like mm-hmm. 
it did like my understanding is that the first one sold decently enough that some other publishers would be like cool thumbs up for doing that but namco was more like we need more and then you know as the legend goes things got weirder and wilder and takahashi wasn't as attached to them again, yeah you know um well, I'm just curious, like, how Bandai Namco got the Xeno license from Square. Or if Saga is so... Even though it's connected in a lot of aspects, Square yeah. just uses completely separate things? Because Square did... Like, I mean, Square developed Xeno Gears, but then Bandai Namco did the Saga games. Yeah, I think it's it's like a hat trick that Takahashi and, and the folks who departed Squaresoft with him after, you know, Xeno Gears wasn't, you know, going to continue mm-hmm. um, at the series. It's like a hat trick they pulled, right? Because, like, they managed to found Monolith Soft. Um, I think the story goes that uh, a friend or, or a former associate or something of um, Takahashi's helped him get in, in bed kind of with, like, with Namco because, like, Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy worked at Nintendo and uh, higher up on the food chain. Can't remember his name, but like all that stuff. Okay, yeah, simple, easy to understand. But once you start looking at all of the latent similarities, the the, and the fact that Zeno Saga was totally being marketed to Xenogears fans, it's like, hey, look, listen, you know. Um, but yeah. I guess they kind of get away with it because like they never really say names like Feifeng Wong. It's just evil, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so, like, there's no Weltall. Uh, so maybe it's, like, the really big, broad, this is Xenogears TM terms and then names. Not yeah. Not there was enough. And then, like, the Zohar being, like, a real thing, you know, um, like, a, a symbol within, you know, religion. Um, mm-hmm. I guess Square can't really say, hey, that's our yellow save symbol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give that back. <laughs> well, we have a, we have a, whole canyon of, of religious text for the for your legal team to deliver where um yeah it, it really like i think at the time because i was you know much younger it didn't really hit me but totally like the fact that they were able to like infuse so much of xenogears dna into saga even though to this day xenogears is 100 percent square yeah even naming having xeno in the title seems like it would be a slam dunk like copyright infringement yeah. or or something or maybe like, let's, square let's, was just less or more lax back back then who knows maybe they were and maybe it was like it was too hot off of like xenogears not despite hitting greatest hits not doing what they wanted you know to the point of like greenlighting a sequel or prequel or whatever that they were just kind of like you know whatever close the door on their way out you know um which is seems very silly because again it did sell pretty decently yeah um, but if you like, if you look at it now, like imagine, and I don't know why the heck this would ever happen because it seems like a very, very good arrangement that both parties have going on. But like, imagine Monolith like somehow like broke free entirely from Nintendo and like tried to use some of <laughs> some of Xenoblade's elements, and and Takahashi was like introducing Xeno Xeno Cross, Xeno Mardi Gras, yeah, Xeno Cross, like Xeno Xeno whatever you know and and it just like, nintendo would be like uh no 
yeah. that's definitely those those three those four were uh, letters there X E N O sir those are those are basically ours now no yeah way. it's uh it's a different world than it was in 1998 <laughs> you don't get to say now it's insert new protagonist here time yes yeah, pre- <laughs> pretty much no yeah. one can have anything named Zeno anymore uh no Absolutely. Nintendo owns the term. But, Alien franchise is on. Uh, yeah, on watch now. Xenomorphs. <laughs> well, there's Nintendo. there hasn't been a movie named Xeno. True. That's strange. And now that you think about, <laughs> like in Xenoblade, I don't think anything's ever been called the Xenoblade, has it? No, I don't think so. I, I haven't played X. Um, but I, I don't think it happens there either. Like, I, I think the Xenoblade is supposed to be, like, sort of, like, the Monado, right? Yeah, I like, figured I, that much, but it's, like, it's never referred yeah, yeah. to in any regard it. as the Xenoblade. But it is a pretty weird sword, right? Right, <laughs> like, it's, yeah, it's MacGuffin sword, so it has to yeah, be. It's, right, it's, oh, we, we need something to happen with the plot now. Quick, magic sword! When it's out, throw in a magic sword. Uh, (laughs) If you want to be nifty and kind of unique, make it a science fiction god sword or something made out of super technology. True. True. Uh, No, there was never a Xenosaga within Xenosaga. That one kind of, like, writes itself. Like, what would that be? Like, it's it's the saga itself, I guess. But, like, yeah, Xenogears set a precedent that, that none of the other incarnations really followed. With Zeno Gears being titular and also like the final gear. Huh. Yeah, it's like even with Zeno Saga, it's such a JRPG RPG that they could have easily made Zeno the the Zeno Saga just like I don't know a time traveling device or some pronoun yeah, in the game that will alter humanity. Who knows? The canon of the Zeno Saga. Yeah. <laughs> or just like maybe they'll do it with oh, go, go ahead. ahead. You first. I was gonna say maybe they'll they'll do it with three. With the Xenoblade three this year and they'll be like the Xenoblade was you all along or something. I would love them <laughs> to like <laughs> wait until the last game and totally change like what it's actually pronounced as. Like if they did Xenosagia. Oh, oh no. But, like <laughs> It turns out it's it was Xenosagia the entire time, or Xenoblade. It's not it's not the Xenoblade. It's a Xenoblade. It's a monster. The Xenoblade, and it will bleed again. The Xenoblade, or Blade. Xenoblade. Oh man. Well, you know that's actually getting me thinking though. They have incorporated Blade at least. That's yeah, a thing. that's a, that's like the mercenary yeah. force in Xenoblade uh, X, Chronicles. Yep, X. and then in, in two, it's like the the sort of like gotcha summon system. Um, mm-hmm. Well, there's a lore thing too, but I mean that's basically what it is, right? It's you know, yeah, uh, the the friends you equipped along the way, so to speak. Um, <laughs> the friends you equipped along the way. I like. That. <laughs> oh man. Well, you know, it's, it's a heck of a conversation. It is. It's a lot, and this, like, this is child's play. Like, this, this is cake compared to a lot of the things go, that they go over and deal with in Xeno yeah. Gears. 
Xeno um, Gears, yeah. but I had a friend in middle school who insisted it was pronounced Xeno Gears. Xeno Gears, yeah. yeah, I believe it. Why not? <laughs> it was it was like early pre-internet days. Anything was possible. Yeah. I mean, he said Red Thirteen was Red Seven. I, I pointed out to him, like, look at the Roman numerals. And he's like, yes, but this is different. <laughs> fake <laughs> news. Yeah, fake news. very fake news. It's true. Like we've we've spent all this time talking about the game, and like we could spend the next twenty hours talking about like the, the plot and the themes and, and a lot of stuff that we've totally just glossed over. It is like it is deep with a capital D. Yeah. It's a it's a deep Xeno hole. Um, a is. deep gaping Xeno hole. It is the, the whole iceberg meme oh. thing that they're doing with everything. The Xenoberg. I'm just gonna put Xeno in front of everything now because it sounds yeah, cool and science fictiony. So it's the Xeno hole. This is RPG Xenoversity. Uh, we're also, yeah, we're also, we're, we're giving Takahashi ideas for if he does cut the cord with Nintendo. Yeah. So we, yeah, we gotta yeah. create those other enough legal, legally distinct enough ideas for, for him to make <laughs> to break away from Nintendo, but this, this time the Zohar <laughs> saves him always to loot. Zohair? It's Zohair? Zohair. Or Zuhair? <laughs> Um, oh man, it, it, you know this is something was lost when RPGs started having voice acting. It's true, <laughs> something was lost. Uh, uh, such innocent days, innocent, yeah. innocent days. not the only individuals that really like Xenogears, or Xenogears, or Crossenogears. So we are going, (laughs) so we are going around the web. User GanryuZT from Reddit, they say, that scene where, when Weltall ID lifts Yggdrasil over its head and throws it at Bart, always makes the hair on the back of my neck, back of my head stand up. Up to that moment, the game is a science fiction fantasy that more or less follows the law of physics. Then, this crazed-up red gear appears, trashing everyone, lifting a submarine many times its size with one hand, like some DC superhero. It says to Bart that, like, that was fun, but dropping a warship on the air should be taken back. I love that scene. <laughs> Excellent show. It's so, so good. Want to take the next one? Sure. Uh, Octopus Eric from Reddit. It was my first PSX game, and I had just rented a PlayStation from Blockbuster with no memory card. Can you think of a worse game to not be able to save that? No, Octopus Eric, I cannot. I played up until Calamity and died. Immediately started over and didn't even feel that bad. Next time I got up to the Kislev sewers, got wrecked like you know who. I do. Had to start over again dozens of hours into the game. I loved the game so much I don't remember even being that upset. I think we had to return the system and game around that point, but a couple years later I got my own, and Xenogears and a memory card were my first purchases. When I got back to where I had been, which of course meant starting over again, it was the most fulfilling accomplishment of my little 12 year old life. Damn, that's dedication. Damn, damn dedication. That, that's, <laughs> that surpasses dedication. That's Xenocation. That is Xenocation. Xenocation. Takahashi. Takahashi, the regular. Oh, I'd like to think so. Him, uh, 
now that Shinji Hashimoto's retired, he's gonna be like avid listener. So sup, sup, <laughs> sup, uh, Shin Dog. Uh, shout yep, out yep. to you. Yep. Uh, next up, we have user Valdor XC from Reddit. They say my big brother bought the game in freaking Japanese, and I played it with no idea what was happening. <laughs> when I reached Blev. Uh, Bledovic, I had no clue what to do, so I restarted from the beginning every time. But I loved it anyway. I was not... I was like 9 or 10 years old at the time, and Escaflone Evangelion... Ev- Evangelion, excuse me. Oh my god, I can't... I have to pronounce that right. Um, Evangelion <laughs> were the coolest things around. Later, I had a legit US copy with a hacked PlayStation. I'm from Europe. And managed to get further and loved it even more. If only we could get a remake from Monolith Square Enix Soft. Yep, I agree. I agree. And what's it with people restarting this game over and over to progress? This is wild to me. <laughs> it wild. sticks with you. It just sticks with people. I feel it. Um, Dutch Country Keith uh, says that after mom got sick and couldn't go into the office, she would use the family computer in the same room as my video games. During the second disc, during those long exposition dumps, it was like she was typing the stories. I can hear it. She was right there typing away at her reports, but it sounded like she was typing the narrative directly to me. You know, the Xeno series deals with a lot of meta, mm-hmm. meta themes, meta concepts. Um, I, I don't think that one was intentional. That's that's cool. That is singular for Dutch Country if I like it. That's very, very cool. And I hope your mom eventually got better. Oh yeah, and I and I hope that even though she was working, she looked up, watching you and reading, uh, Xeno Gears and being like, I have no idea what the fuck my kids uh, play. Absolutely. That that's that's my head <laughs> at can. Least, at least it's not Grand Theft Auto. Right. Or Persona <laughs> Three. I have a fun story about Persona Three when my mom walked in when they were using their uh, their um, pacifiers. I think. Oh, what are they called? Uh, right. Their guns. Right. Yeah. Yeah, my mom walked in. I had rented Persona 3. Side tangent, I know. Um, right as the main character was using their uh, gun for the first time, pointing it at their head and shooting, and she's like, what the hell are you playing? Oh, it's like, Mom, God. he's just using his okay. magic. Chill. <laughs> it's like, yeah, shooting your... Hmm. Yep, that's yeah, a fun sure story. It's... That's one of my treasured yeah, RPG memories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next up... We have user Blackstar from Reddit. They say, Finding out that Redrum was once a man and the father of a boy in the orphanage that has a bell like the one you find in the sewers. That scene hit really, really hit hard. When I was really young, still in high school, I showed the game to my younger brother. Part of that playthrough involved giving different characters their own voices since I was narrating it for him. I decided early on that Faye needed an urban inner city voice and had totally forgotten about his conversation with Maitreya before their attack on the northern border and fleet. Man, was that funny when I su- suddenly read aloud, <laughs> don't call me son, because you sure ain't my pops. We both cracked up big time. Oh, Faye has such darling lines. <laughs> that, that, uh, that is also quite the uh, voice direction you went with Faye. Um, yeah. Cool. I like it. Yeah, go I, for I it. I don't think I, I wouldn't have thought it. Yeah. Another fake classic from early in the game. Uh, my father. You mean my dad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. User, uh, Few Ackham, 
eight of them, one or the other, or, or a third, but I haven't thought of uh, either way. It's pretty cool. Uh, the orphanage scene was the first one that came to mind because I had a visceral reaction to the bell being rung. It went something like this. Oh, that bell sounds familiar. Where did I hear it before? <laughs> I'm sorry, kid, but I think your dad's dead, LMAO. Wait, why does Rico have a text box with this guy? Oh my god, I killed this kid's dad. It was the realization as we went from <laughs> your dad's dad to I killed this kid's dad. And it was so well done. And I applauded it as one of my favorite scenes. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I, I like that, like, multiple people brought up, uh, Red Rock, and, like, I guess, Bloody Two or not, but, um, yeah, that is, like, that is iconic, and it's, there's so many things iconic to see in this one, I mean, like, it's kind of great, but, um, even though, yeah, it's like, by the way, the, the kid's dad killed him, uh, anyway. Xenogears! Xenogears! You killed that kid's dad. The most lighthearted RPG of 1998. <laughs> Just like collecting badges. Throw some. You'll be able to play with giant robots, talk about God, throw submarines at people, and kill a child's <laughs> father. But the submarines thing, though, remember that's true. You take it back. That's, that's, that's not true. Cool. That's getting drunk right there. <laughs> <laughs> but. Thank you to each and every one of you who submitted your favorite moments and memories. I very much appreciate it. And like always, down in the show notes, you can find links to the subreddits where you can add your own favorite memories. And I can't wait to read them. Now, after hearing Quentin and I talk about this game and perhaps even confuse you, you might be like, well, I kind of want to give it a shot. Well, we are here to help you with that. Unfortunately, uh, this game's kind of pricey. If you want the physical edition, um, the, well, if you, if you don't know Japanese anyway, the PlayStation 1 version, or the PlayStation physical disc, the disc by itself loose will run you $81, about $85, and a complete in-box copy will run you about $140 to $150, and if you still have a sealed copy, it looks like it'll run you about eh, $300, bucks. so pretty pretty pricey. And the prices aren't that much different if you're looking for uh, the Greatest Hits version, um, which is around the same price for the loose. The complete in-box copy is a bit cheaper at between $100 and $110, and a new and priced version of the greatest hit is only around the two hundred dollar mark. So, and I don't think this ever came out on PlayStation Plus, or not PlayStation Plus, but as a digital game. I don't think it did. It did. Um, yeah, it, I, I have it on my PS3. Um, oh. So that's actually that is an option. Um, obviously, that is you know more and more cumbersome as as time goes by. Here's hoping with uh, Sony's new direction that they're doing, that it does pop up. I know, like, Wild Arms is going to yeah. be on there, so that's, hey, you know. Um, I can't I even imagine what the trophies for this game would be like. Oh, man. I would love to have someone, like, name them who's, like, an Uber fan mm-hmm. and just, like, messes with you, like, hard. <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> There's so many in-jokes waiting to happen. Um yeah, so I guess if, if you have a PS3 and it's it's plugged in, you can still technically do that, right? I think, like, I haven't... Yeah, uh, it's like you have to add that. your money from an on, like, your computer, and you have to have two-factor authentication turned on for your PlayStation yeah. 3. Um, 
but like now you can't transfer games from your PS3 to like your PSP, so I don't know if you can even put it on your PSP. It's just a clusterfuck, but I guess technically, yes, you could still buy Xenogears digitally on uh, the PlayStation Store. I really hope it comes to like the, the PlayStation Plus system. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Um Yeah, I oh my I think Oh no, that's just PlayStation Prices. But yes, if you manage to get it, it Xenogears is ten dollars on the PlayStation Network. So definitely cheaper than the physical uh physical version. But who knows how long the PlayStation three and the that old PSN will be working. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? But let's say you've managed to get yourself a copy of Xenogears and you want some tips or advice. Well, we are here to help you as well. We are an RPG university at all, after all. So, Quentin, what <laughs> tips or advice would you give to new fa- to new Xeno players? A few. Um, I guess the first one <clears throat> I sort of went over earlier, uh, just brace for some you know, uh, fairly dated gameplay elements like the jumping mechanics I, I mentioned. Um, some kind of pivotal uh, gameplay features are, are left sort of murky in, in terms of explanation. Um, that still happens to this day sometimes, but it, it happened a lot back then. Um, on that note, I would say definitely consider checking online specifically for like a fuller understanding of how the characters learn new death blows because it, it's, it's one of those things where like it seems obvious and it is obvious until it isn't obvious because there are like there are these little like factors and mechanics that the game never tells you that once you understand them you're going to be learning these death blows more quickly and that is good both for character combat because it's it's the key to, to winning there mm-hmm. and it's also good because they translate in gear combat into like gear versions of the character death blows and those are pivotal so um that's uh i would say relatively early on in the game um totally enough i think i mentioned this town earlier at random but uh when you get to this town called nissan there is an item called the ether doubler it costs a lot of money um you may have to grind a little bit for it um it's not available there for long if you grab it it will make the next like a good chunk of the next big leg of the game much easier um you would give it to Ellie, uh, put it on her gear, Virge, once you can do that. And uh, she's basically like Ether is, um, I guess if you played Zika Blade or, or Zika Saga, you would know this anyway, but it's like, you know, the magic spells. It's like, um, she just obliterates everything in her path for like a good third of the rest of the game there, uh, if you do that. So that's something I always tell people unless they, they really want the challenge. And uh, last but not least, there is a mini game at the very start of the game. It is limited to like the first twenty half, like half hours worth of plot before uh, before you can't do it because the village you start in, you know, blows up. Um, the mini game is rock paper scissors. Do not let rock paper scissors consume and ruin your life. <laughs> I have seen this happen to people because if you win five times in a row, you get something. Yes, it's helpful for something small later on. It's not a big deal. Um, but it is insipid. It is it is evil. This minigame is evil. This guy will will just destroy your afternoon if you let him. Because you have to win five times in a row. 
um, don't just don't give in to hate. <laughs> there's going to be a trophy like, for that. I can already guarantee you if this game comes to the PlayStation Plus, uh, there's going to be a trophy. <laughs> don't give in. <laughs> don't give up on the game. I would love it if that's the name of the trophy. Don't give in to hatred. Win, <laughs> win rock, paper, scissors five times in a row. I well, once you figure out who it was that really blew up this house. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's all I got. I mean, yeah. Uh, I think those will, will help folks out, hopefully. Yeah, uh, definitely good tips and advice. My main tip would be for Xenoblade. Uh, people coming from, that would be potentially be coming from Xenoblade. This is a pretty different game than Xenoblade. Or, um, mm-hmm. it, it, like, tonally kind of thematically and just overall gameplay it, it is dated it does a lot of weird things it is it hits you with a lot of things so just be prepared do not go into this thinking it'll be like a really janky 90s version of xenoblade it's not <laughs> no, um, it yeah. it's yes it's got cool giant robots but do not go into this game for cool giant robots. <laughs> Plus, it's like the, the this two talking scenes are like the, the extreme opposite of anyone who ever played Xenoblade 1. And it's like, the Bionis leg is too big for its own good. All right. Exactly. <laughs> for something you really don't know small. what you're talking about. Uh, if, if, <laughs> something if, really if you small. had those thoughts, Xenogears will not be for you. um but yeah that's my advice just kind of brace yourself if you're going in with not having played or really experienced many 90s rpgs this is a this is this could be a big big bite big game to bite off from um so just kind of know what you're getting into you'll be rewarded and it's it's a classic for a reason but just know going in what to to kind of be on the lookout for and to to be expecting so that is going to bring us to one of my favorite parts of each episode the monster or enemy of the week so quinton what enemy have you brought to the arena this week i almost want to go with red rum now because all the cool kids were talking about how weird that was but um now, I think New Gears has one of the coolest rogues galleries in an RPG by far. Um, there, are, there are several villains that I would, I would love to talk about. Uh, my favorite of them would be uh, the guy I tried poisoning in our intro, Baron uh, Francis. You should have really done him with an urban inner city uh, now accent. I know. Now I know. <laughs> I mean, like, go polish that cannon. like just get out of my face um you know he like he fulfills the role as Faye's recurring arrival really well but more than that he has a discernible incredible character arc all on his own and that a game like Xenogears that loves to to give you these different perspective sequences like a like a tv show or, or a book you know, often will. Games like Xenobears are like the only games that can really do this because you're not going to be interacting with Ramses most of the time if you're just interacting, like seeing him uh, through the party's lens, unless he's attacking you. 
and he's just like, you know, curse you, did you destined, you know, like the usual spiel, which over time, as you see a lot of sequences through his eyes, you realize, oh, wow, this guy's life kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see where he's coming from. I get it now. And, and it climaxes with him, him, like, kind of like doing his, his, his almost like genetic code destiny thing, but then managing to like break free of that rebel and be his own person despite that and it's it's just like you end up rooting for this guy who you've probably fought more times and has like had this 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 rage for for your for your player like protagonist character than, than anyone else in the game and you're still like yeah go Ramses just just don't kill us kill them <laughs> yeah love that guy <laughs> Definitely, definitely a good one. So we are going to take a look at the first fight you have with Ramses and Fatima Castle. Ramses has 400 health, and he will grant you 7,000 experience when you beat him. He also drops 500 gold, and his attacks consist of Mirror Stance, which will counter for a whopping around 150 damage, so be careful of that. And he likes to use his sword to do multiple sword thrusts at you. The, The recommended level is around 27, so... Be careful with him, and just try and unleash a, the highest AP combos on him, and he should go down eventually. That is going to do it for another episode of RPG University. Quinn, thank you so much for coming on. It was great to talk to you, dude. Yeah, it was awesome. I, I really enjoyed my time here. I, 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 anything to just talk about an RPG and, and not get judgmental stares for the fact that I've been doing it for an hour and a half nonstop. And yeah, just now. <laughs> definitely, definitely. But where can people find you online? What do you have cooking? Go ahead and plug your stuff. Sure. Um, primary outlet, probably Twitter. Uh, you can find me on there at Quinton Writes. So Q-U-I-N-T-O-N-W-R-I-T-E-S. You can also reach me at quentin.c at rpgfan or quentinc at thegamer. Um, either of those emails work. And uh, I think that's about it. I, I'm still not hit on the Insta or, or the OkCupid or any of that stuff. <laughs> that's where you'll find me. Excellent. Excellent. Be sure to be, be sure to, to follow and check out all of Quentin's stuff. He is an excellent writer and an RPG fan to the core. The Xeno Core. There's another name for you <laughs> to use. Xeno Core. But thank <laughs> you to each and every one of you who's listened today. Be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast service as I'd really appreciate it. If you have an RPG you would like us to feature on an episode, tweet at underscore RPG University with the hashtag RPGU with your suggestion, or you can share your own favorite RPGs and memories directly with me on Twitter at Professor RPG. As always, everybody... Stay Xeno safe. Stay Xeno healthy. Be kind to one another. Class Xeno dismissed. Xeno.